Hey y'all, happy December. I hope everyone had a delicious Thanksgiving. I know Armin and I did. I appreciate you tuning in today for the Sports Psych MD's podcast, episode number 18. Before I get into what we talk about, I want to ask you a question. When you played sports, or, or maybe currently, or in your office, are you the alpha dog? Were you the leader? Or did you prefer to kind of be behind the scenes, making sure everyone got along? Were you the glue guy? Or maybe you were the heart and soul of the team, that person that gave that rah-rah speech, that impassionate speech before the game to get people juiced up. This is going to be the podcast for you because we're breaking down the DISC personality assessment, or D-I-S-C, which focuses in on behavioral tendencies and how well or how you fit into a team. We talk about this, then we transition smoothly into analytics. Everyone knows that sabermetrics has essentially taken over Major League Baseball. Now it's making its way into the NBA with the revolution of the three-point shot and pace of play, and it's sneaking into the NFL as well. Um, so, as Armin always says, buckle your seatbelts. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. I don't think T's feeling it quite yet, y'all. I'm ready. All right. We'll see. What's good? Oh, a little too, you're a little too high, a little too close. Am I too, clo- am I too close? Yeah. Slow. I don't think I'm close. I don't think we're close enough. Slow and steady wins the race. Why don't you lead us into today's podcast? I'll do my best. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here we go, here we go. Sports psychiatry. Nope. All right. No, never mind. You talk about psychiatry, you talk about psychology, right? And group psychology has... A sociology? All the ologies, yeah? When you talk about these things, you can talk about them from many perspectives, right? Psychology, uh, study of the mind, how people think, uh, why people do what they do. You can talk about these things from different perspectives, like the perspective of you know, the individual, right? But you can also talk about them from, from the perspective of a group, right? And a group is really a, an amazing concept because there's so much that goes into that, right? For instance, there's like a family that's a group. And there's this really cool type of therapy called family therapy. You get everybody in the household in a room and you explore the dynamics of that family in an effort to heal the internal tension within that group that may exist. You know, difficult kid, you know, burnt out parents, caregiver burden, all that good stuff. There's also groups like a community, right? And there are dynamics within that, you know, and we talk a lot about those types of dynamics when you have like local political discussions and discourse. And then you have, you know, even groups we're interested in, right, on this podcast, like teams, right? And well, all of us, every single one of us is part of a team. We're, yeah, we're part of a team. Whether part of your family or you go to work and you're, you have to work together with your coworkers. So this podcast is about being able to know yourself better, being able to have better self-awareness to know how you fit well into a team. What are your strengths? What are your tendencies? And we're going to introduce a another personality test. I know we talked about oceans, the big five personality. That's more of a broad personality test. This is actually more about... Break down oceans real quick, though. The, what were those, those uh, five? We got openness, yep. conscientiousness, 
extroversion, agreeableness, and eroticism. Wow. And what episode was that? That was Game Changers and Trailblazers. Check it out. It's a great episode. So we kind of discuss what uh, what do all of these these game changers like Muhammad Ali and Jackie Robinson, what kind of personalities do they have? What do Mm -hmm. they have in common? Um, And there's some overlap with that today. And today we're talking about the DISC test. D-I-S-C. Yes. And that's more specific towards your own personal tendencies and behaviors, which is definitely a part of your personality, but it's just more focused. And through doing this DISC assessment, you you have a better understanding of which what tendencies you have, whether or not you're going to be dominant or you're going to be kind of more more, more steady and more stable. So we'll get into the details of that. Right now, but actually. <laughs> a lot. A, a, well, if you go online and you search this, and we're going to put a link on our Twitter page, actually, yes, for the assessment, because Armour and I both did the assessment. We're going to talk a little bit about what, how we scored. Mm-hmm. Um, but... This test has kind of been monetized. A lot of people are selling it to companies, and a lot of CEOs are eating this up when they're trying to develop their businesses. When they're trying to take their small business to the next level, they'll bring in a DISC expert to determine what kind of personalities I have in the office, who works well together. Um, Is Becky and Tom, are they good fits to partner up? You know what's weird, though? Stuff like that. Is that you still haven't told our audience what DISC even means, like what it represents. What are those... What do those four letters break out to? Yeah. All right. So these <laughs> these four traits or tendencies, D is for the dominance. Big D. I is for influence. Influence. There we go. C is for conscientiousness or compliance. And S is for steadiness. And this isn't static. So if you're just in one category versus the other, you're not. You're going to have a little bit of everything, and you're going to be able to move towards one or the other. And a lot of this is trying to figure out who you are yourself, and maybe you want to. Maybe if I'm steady, I want to be more dominant. That's right. Just so happens I am. I score highest on steadiness, and I, I want to be a little bit more dominant. I want to be a little bit more of a leader, and that's why I'm doing this podcast. Actually, so it's going to give you a better understanding for yourself and your teammates, and how how you interact with other people. It's all about team cohesion. That's so right. Should we? Yeah, I mean, it's about team cohesion, um, and this is actually a great tool. Tori mentioned CEOs use it to build their company's team dynamics. Coaches, team executives. Oh, yeah, GMs. When you're recruiting, um, in your draft selections, right? In your ultimately trying to design plays, you know, and you want to put guys in the right position for success, right? When you're, you know, trying to figure out who would fill this position best, right, for this team. You know, think about like a basketball team, right? You may have several great ball handlers, right? But maybe only one of those guys is right for the point guard position, right? Um, so you're saying if you you can dig beyond the skill set, like the physical skill set or the tools, yeah. you can, because once you get to a certain point, like the NBA draft, a lot of these guys are stud athletes. They all shoot the ball well, they can dribble well. And you're looking at the intangibles. This Definitely. is this is an assessment to kind of objectify or define those intangibles that mm-hmm. everyone likes to talk about. That everyone tries to figure out. Kind it's kind of guesswork. It's not a perfect science. This isn't by any means a perfect science, but it it gives you just a little bit more data to make those decisions on draft day to, oh, when you're building your team. Yeah. And even yeah. let me tell you this: that I was doing a little search. The NCAA actually on their website, states that they offer an external consultant at a cost of $50 per person for the DISC 2.0 
or workplace disc, which is different assessments they offer to these institutions to help build their coaching staffs and to help build their teams. And this is for D1 and D2, so it's kind of funny how... That is cool. Yeah. That's interesting. It's weird that it's monetized, but uh, everyone's got to get paid. Everyone's trying to secure that back. (laughs) I know that. But you can take it online. It's going to be on our Twitter for free, and you can get your your scores and figure out who you are. And since the the guy over here to my left, Big D, I'm going to call him, um, I'm going to let him tell us a little bit about dominance, because (laughs) because why why are you going to tell us about dominance? Um. Yeah, well, I apparently I scored really high on dominance. Apparently, you were like forty-seven percent. Forty-seven percent, and that's out of a scale of a hundred, by the way. <laughs> so that's a lot, and almost like half. And it's funny because, like, I think when most people meet me, they probably wouldn't necessarily assume I'm a dominant person. I, you know, I I have a um, I would say more of a laid-back disposition, and but I definitely. Um, I am very driven. Tell us a little bit about dom. What does it mean? Yeah. Well, dominance means if you were to break it down according to their priorities, people who are dominant uh, are all about getting immediate results, taking action, and challenging both themselves and others. Let me so throw some other Ds out there. Mm-hmm. These are individuals that are direct and they're decisive. And like oh, you said, you yeah. <laughs> so have like that's all the D's four. I got. Okay. And like you said, they're they're results driven. They want to yeah, win, no doubt. And they're motivated by power, uh, authority, competition, winning, and or success. All right. So, um, like in my case, I doubt I. It's not probably so much power and authority, but you know, I definitely have a competitive drive, and I like to win. I love to win. Uh, All I and do I'm, is I li- win, 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 no and, matter what. And and I'm I'm definitely motivated by success. Um, <laughs> fears, dominant people definitely tend to fear losing control. Um, and and this is a big one for me, being taken advantage of. Um, dominant people fear that. Uh, and they also fear vulnerability, which makes sense. That follows. So it's um, all, in a sense, it's it's about wanting control. Oh yeah, well, being dominant, wanting aggressive. control. I would say needing control. Oh yeah, nice. I would say needing control. Yeah. So this dominance is is probably the simplest one to describe. Like the dom, that really encapsulates that dominant, decisive, yeah. direct. Yeah, it does. It does. And I think you'll notice with dominant. People they tend to be self confident. Um, I think that's something you can see visibly. They tend to be more direct, as you kind of alluded to, and they tend to be, you know, more forceful, kind of assertive in their approach, mm-hmm. and usually not afraid to take risks. Yeah. So what you're describing is this is like your prototypical leader. I feel like if anyone's picturing a leader in their mind, this alpha, I feel like they probably yeah. uh, embody a lot of these dominant traits. Yeah. What yeah. are some of the limitations though of being dominant? Well, um, lack of concern for others is one that they, they talk about a lot in the uh, DISC analysis. So the, they're valuing the, like, the um, mission more so than the, the but people. That doesn't really apply to me. I would hope that I would not have a lack of concern for others uh, as, as a, a doctor. Um, <laughs> actually, no, I have tremendous empathy. I love people. Um, but where I definitely struggle is with patience. Uh, and even more so, and this is more outside of my professional life, um, I do struggle with being sensitive. Uh, I can be a little insensitive. And, well, meaning, like, 
I can sometimes kind of, you know, say things without, you know, considering. That's because you're more focused on the mission. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, that's that's what being uh, dominant is all about, man. You got to focus on the mission for sure. But I, I think even more so is, you know, just focus on results. You know, remember, success and winning so sometime, is what motivates us. So sometimes people are, are just, they're just bystanders. They're getting in the way. But no, this this is something that helps you. <laughs> this, <laughs> no, that's you, man. <laughs> this, this test kind of helps you figure out a little bit more about yourself. So, um, yeah, dominance. Everyone needs someone that's dominant on a team. Yeah. Or in the coaching staff, for sure, to kind of right. lead you towards victory, mm-hmm. right? And um, let's talk a little bit about influence. So influence is similar with dominance in the fact that both are very active, fast-paced, dynamic, and bold. But influencers, they're more people-centered. And they're a little bit more empathizing and more receptive to other people. Their priorities are more trying to be enthusiastic and mm-hmm. trusting and optimistic. But at the same time, they're going to be persuasive they're going to be really talkative. These are the people that are going to, going to be emotional and impulsive, outgoing. They care really about relationships and getting they like to get the people going. And this is going to be your the heart and soul of your team. This is like the rah rah guy. Um, if you guys watch college football, the strength and conditioning coaches on the sidelines that are jack that are just screaming and yelling every time there's a big play. I think those are the big influencer guys. Those are the big rah rah guys. And they're motivated by acceptance, popularity, praise. They like flattery. They like friendly environments. And it's kind of, some of their limitations, they're going to be a little bit impulsive, maybe a little disorganized. Maybe they're going to lack a little bit of follow-through. Uh, someone who scores high on in influence may not be the best leader or person to follow if you're wanting to win, but if you're wanting to have a good time, maybe. Um, and, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> And they're What's gonna, wrong with that? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And they're going to feel fear, a little social rejection, disapproval, and being ignored. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and, and so check this out. You can kind of you know, score equally or near equally in, in both dominance and influence, right? The, the beauty of, of this, um, this analysis is that you sort of learn the pieces of the, of the puzzle, right? This test is not going to tell you you're dominant or an influencer or conscientious or steady. It's going to tell you how much of each one that you are, right? Yeah. And or, or um, your ten- tendencies, because or your tendencies, you, you exactly. Can, you can change your tendencies for sure. All right. So keeping with that people-focused mindset, we're gonna that brings us into steadiness. That's what I, I scored highest on. I happen to be mostly steady with influence and conscientiousness was second. And then dominance was like a far fourth and last, which is, which is important for me to know because I actually want to take more of a leadership role, like I said before. So I know I have to try a little extra harder to be dominant, whereas that's just Armin's natural tendency. And maybe that's why we work so well as a team, huh? That's what we figured out. Yeah, yeah. it was like that's kind of was the, the cool story behind the story. Yeah. We both took the test before we recorded this podcast so yeah yeah and um i i had no idea how it would shake out but it turns out that we're like polar opposites yeah in terms of uh how, how we scored here i guess you could say our, our leadership styles because i think we're both we both claim we're we both want to be leaders no definitely not wannabes um we're both leaders uh we're co-leaders 
Um, but we both bring different things to the table. Nice. So you presented that. complement each other very well. You're presenting that in a much more dominant way than I do. (laughs) (laughs) So someone who is more steady, uh, it's all about harmony. It's the glue guy on on the team, right? So you're a good listener. You're a team player. You're very steady. You're understanding, friendly, even keeled. Agreeable. That goes back to oceans. There's agreeable and disagreeable, and I'm definitely agreeable. And um, you can be predictable at times, which can be good or bad. Your value to a team, you're going to be really reliable and dependable. You're going to be loyal. You're going to be a team player. And you're going to be a good listener to your authority. You're going to listen to your coaches for sure. You're going to be patient and empathetic. And most likely you're going to be good at resolving conflicts. Oftentimes you're motivated by this, this, this recognition for loyalty, dependability. Um, safety and security. Uh, some people call me Captain Safety. I won't tell you who. Um, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's there could be some possible weaknesses, right? You, you resist change. Maybe you take a long time to adjust to change. Um, you could hold a grudge. You can be sensitive to criticism. You can be too agreeable, overly accommodating. Maybe mm-hmm. you're a pushover if you're too steady. So those are definitely things. I've been burned in the past for being a pushover. Um, <laughs> So um, how does this work on a team? Must be tough. You definitely want someone on your team to embody these. You have to have these glue guys, right? I could see the captain of the team being someone like this. Yeah. Um, Certainly, if you have someone that one captain that's steady, you want another captain that's going to be a little bit more in your face and dominant. Great balance. It's all about balance. Yeah. You know, and we're going to talk a little bit more later on about how you might balance a coach. Yep. Coach's personality with with maybe the alpha on the team's personality. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like offensive linemen. Are all, all, all are steady. A I lot can of definitely times, see that. you know, it's yeah. just repetition. You're doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And I'm going to transition Armin into talking to us a little bit about conscientiousness. This shares some characteristics of steadiness. These are going to be the individuals that are more thoughtful, mm-hmm. kind of moderately placed. They take their time versus the more fast-paced, dominant, influenced people. Um, a little bit more methodical and calm and careful. So tell us a little bit more about conscientiousness or, or another term for it is compliance. Yeah. So conscientiousness, we've actually talked about this before. Um, these uh, are people that have priorities, including maintaining stability, ensuring accuracy, and challenging assumptions. Okay. They're motivated by opportunities to use expertise or to gain knowledge. Right, um, nerds, and well, it, their attention to detail, attention to quality. Okay, they fear criticism, they fear being wrong, and they fear you know kind of cutting corners. Right, um, you will notice with them that they are precise. Right, uh, they tend to be skeptical, all about the analysis. Right, but also you know, kind of the disposition is more of a quiet person, more reserved, right? Uh, And therefore their limitations, uh, they tend to be more isolative, Mm -hmm. okay? They isolate themselves. Um, They also, as it, you know, you probably aren't too surprised by this, they overanalyze. They overanalyze and therefore they can be too critical, right? So those are the limitations. And um, when you have a person that has sort of, equal parts dominant and conscientious, you have a person that is objective, logic-focused, skeptical, challenging, 
and questioning, okay? So what we've done is we have conceptualized D-I-S-C or DISC, right? And, you know, I think the really cool thing about this, you can go so many different ways with it. Um, Go take the test. It's cool. It's it's actually a hard test, okay? It's, It's hard because it really makes you think about yourself in ways that you probably haven't thought about yourself before and ask yourself questions that you probably haven't before. Cause when I was taking it, it's kind of frustrating. It's like, well, am I answering it how what I think about myself or what I think other people think about me? So that's what kind of threw me off. So it is, it's a complicated, it's almost, it's a very frustrating test to take, but it's fun and I like the results. It it's is actually fun. No, it's fun. And, you know, the thing about it is it's actually pretty cool to learn about yourself. And, you know, what I've learned in my journey, my personal journey, is that, you know, you really want to get to know yourself and you want to be very comfortable with who you are and very confident in who you are because first of all, you can't be anyone else, right? And no one else can be you, right? And we all are special in our own ways. We all have our own gifts, our own unique and distinctive qualities. But the important thing to know is even though you can't be anyone else, you could change these tendencies. If you want to. Yeah. Or, um, you know, you could also embrace where you are and who you are if you are, you know, inside of a team, mm-hmm. right, or inside of a group, so let's get, an let's organization. Just, let's jump right? into how this works into sports. Yeah. Um, so we can go so many different ways with this, right? And, you know, I think what's really, really interesting here, you know, is that like, like we were talking about before, coaches – executives, you know, sports leaders, they can use this information to help build their team, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, build not just their team in terms of the players and the personalities yeah. on the team, but also had a scheme for their opponents, you know, like what players to put in certain positions at certain moments in the game. Oh, yeah. And, and building coaching staffs, too. So talking about scheming, like maybe you go, you're in basketball, you put out there on the floor someone who's going to be an irritator and you they're more of a they score high on the influencer part they're person centered they're emotional and you're going to have them dog the uh, conscientious guy all day to kind of get under his skin the one that's a a little little bit more of a loner that's just a small example but let's talk about dominance someone who's dominant like i said before that's your prototypical alpha that's going to be you're going to want someone in a leadership position, to be dominant, to have a dominant personality type. Agreed, um, yeah. Maybe maybe someone who's extremely dominant, almost too dominant, maybe that benefits you better to be in an a individual sport. Yeah. Because sometimes you do overstep your authority and you don't work well as a team because you're so focused on winning. So just to give an example yes. of someone who takes this test and finds out they're dominant and say they are a long distance runner and you find out I'm more of a risk taker. I'm more of a dominant person that likes to take control. Maybe that will have you alter your running style to realize I feel best when I'm running out first in the lead at the very beginning of the race. And then I'm going to be more confident because I'm feeding off. That's my natural tendency. So I'm kind of feeding off that versus maybe beforehand I kind of was slow and steady to start. And then I was, I kind of closed at the end, but maybe that, created some sort of angst inside of me because that's not who I really am. I want to be out in front. 
So maybe you do change your running style. Um, so it can help benefit individual athletes and also can help ben- benefit you if you're on a team. Sport. Sure can. Yeah, man. And when I think about like a position where it's probably really important to be dominant, um, think about like a quarterback, right? Um, I think a quarterback, just because, you know, the other guys in the offense look to him to make the call. I mean, they're the, they typically are going to be the ones with the ball in their hands. They have that bravado. They're willing you know, to take risks. Um, and they have to be able to take risks. They have to. Do whatever it takes to win. That's right. Um, That's like your gamer, man. And Aaron Rodgers is like a great example yeah. of a truly dominant quarterback. Yeah. He leads his team with this swagger, right? I mean, he definitely takes, takes risks, right? I mean, the way he slings that ball sometimes in those tight corners, those tight spaces, it's pretty amazing, pretty impressive. Brett Favre was another one of those guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's important to have. And in the same vein, a lot of these alpha number one wide receivers can be dominant. Yeah, they sure can. Yeah. And, you, you know. They want the ball. They want to win. Well, and it's because they're big play guys, typically, right? I mean, they're not like running backs where they're just kind of getting, uh, you know, yards in, in short little bunches or, or short little increments. Um, you know, they're usually going to be you know, at least what, eight to 10 yards per catch on oh, average, yeah. right? Whereas a running back is, you know, each play they're going, what, three or four yards, five yards if they're yeah. really good. So these are big play guys. And, you know, think about it, the wider out you go, right? And therefore, you know, the potential to, you know, have the the kind of biggest play, you know, those deep routes. Oh, yeah. Those tend to be the biggest divas. Yeah. <laughs> Have you noticed, right? Yeah. And they it's that kind of like stratification yeah. across the field. Oh, yeah. The further away you are from the quarterback, the more dominant your personality. But I feel like it's almost like a mismatch for a lot of these guys because these are guys that want the ball. But like you said, they're so far away and they have to be throwing the ball. Yeah. And uh, a characteristic of being dominant is being impatient. So they, they get, oftentimes they get labeled as divas. And when in reality, these are just dominant guys that want the ball and they want to win. Well, they're dominant and they're also influencers, right? Whereas like with the quarterback, they're going to be more conscientious. They have to be. Yeah. Certainly, I think we could probably name quarterbacks in the league that probably score higher on one quarterback that scores high on influence, one on steadiness, one on conscientiousness. There's different styles. Right. But it's important to know what type of quarterback you have. So take, for instance... Exactly. Why? Why is it so important to know? Because you don't want to pair a super dominant, conscientious quarterback with a super dominant and conscientious receiver. Not necessarily. They might clash. You know, on the other hand, if it's more of a balance... Yeah, I'm looking forces. more at that head coach quarterback. And that can be an issue too. Heads. And I know Aaron Rodgers has had some issues with coaches in the past before. So if you have a bunch of dominant guys on your team, they're button heads mm-hmm. because they're so self-confident. It's going to be hard for one to defer to the other, yeah, right? Yeah, my way or the highway That's type right. deal. Yeah. Um, so it's important to have that balance. So let's take, for example. Tom Brady yeah. and Bill Belichick. Oh, that's I, th- I think they're both highly dominant and highly conscientious. Well, they are. They're both dominant and conscientious, but I kind of think that Tom is like kind of slightly more conscientious. I think he's got and, some influencer in him, though. And I think that Bill Belichick tends to be a little more on the dominant side, but they, they have a very interesting dynamic, those two. I don't know. I think Bill Belichick is big time conscientious. See, I think we can make arguments for everything, but 
Yeah, it's, it's no, fascinating he, stuff. If we're, if we're talking, you're right because he's kind of like quiet, skeptic kind of guy. Very, oh, very intelligent. Very highly yeah. analytical and super critical. Well, I think very he's, attention to detail. I think he's perfect blend of dominant and conscientious, yeah, questioning, logic, focused, yep. objective, skeptical, challenging. And so, say, say you're the the GM of a team. You're about to draft a quarterback, and you have a coach that is extremely dominant in your face, dominant in influence, he's active, he's dynamic, he's getting in the players' faces, he talks with the media to the media with bravado, maybe he's a little sarcastic, um, but he, he loves being the center of attention, right? So if you have a head coach like that, what kind of quarterback would you want to pair him with? Would, would You probably would be okay with pairing him with more of a conscientious, steady quarterback, mm-hmm. someone that can kind of withstand that intensity from the head coach and just go about winning and go about doing their job. Yeah. You know who kind of had that dynamic was, I think, Steve Kerr and Steph Curry. Like, you know, Steph was definitely, I mean, you know, he he was a big-time influencer for the team and obviously, you know, a a great leader. but, But Steph was a quieter guy, right? He was more of a steady, quiet, kind of reserved guy, think more detail oriented. Very Whereas Steve Kerr, on the other hand, he was kind of to me more of the out front, uh, more vocal leader. If we're gonna stay on that Golden State, we might as well talk about Draymond Green. That's that influencer. That's that high emotions guy. That's the people person. He is the reason Kevin Durant joined that team, but he's also the reason Kevin Durant left that team. That's true. So he's going to be impulsive and emotional and. He's going to be a guy that's enthusiastic and outgoing, but sometimes he's going to be a little impulsive and maybe he'll accidentally kick someone in the nuts and get suspended for a game and maybe cost their, his team a uh, championship. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah. at the same time, it's it's someone you want on your team. That's the heart and soul of their, their yeah, Warriors. What, hold on, what was that thing that happened? Yeah, you're right. He, he kicked LeBron in the balls or something like that during a game. Yeah, he got whatever technical foul he needed to get in the playoffs, seventh or eighth, where it got suspended for yeah, game that was six. Wild! I couldn't believe it was that. A game, game six five. or game five. It was yeah, game five. Got suspended for game five, uh, which Cost they were up three one. They lost that game, and then That's right. the rest is history, right? Um, so LeBron owes him a bottle of wine, right? <laughs> so, and then if you're we're staying with Warriors, Clay Thompson, steady as can be. That's right. He's just a stone cold killer when he's shooting those three point shots. Kind of harmonious, is just there chilling. Yeah, um, I think the Warriors are an example of a great balance. Yeah. And I think what's important, maybe about the Warriors and maybe about the best teammates, is you can kind of float. You can be dominant when you need to be dominant, when, mm-hmm. when your team needs you to be dominant, mm-hmm. but you also can take a back seat and be more steady. And or you can get in people's faces and be yeah. more of an influencer. Yeah. No, you and and I, you know to go back to the Patriots example, that's actually what I see a lot with with Tom Brady. On the field, he's super dominant on the field, mm-hmm. right? Especially like in crunch time or like you know when big plays, he gets so excited. He like, does, but he's not going to psycho Tom. He's not going to take too many risks, though. No, he's going to be a little conscientious. He that's is, why but I think when he's off combo. the field, he isn't like that at all. He's a completely different guy. He's extremely conscientious. Very conscientious. The TB12 method, his diet, his whole regimen. That's why he looks like he's getting younger, even though he's getting older. 
and also the the whole I think Patriots organization as a whole has a very conscientious flavor to it. There you go. They try to bring in as much data as possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, what are the Deflate Gate? You have to have uh, Tom noticed he like he can throw the ball a little bit better when the when the football's a little bit deflated. You were ahead of the curve, um, right? Um, <laughs> ahead of the curve. Um, what was Deflate Gate? Was what year was that? That when they beat Andrew Luck and the Colts. Yeah, um, that was like twenty. 20- 13, Andrew Luck's 14. early games. And then oh, no. and um, up, up, what's the up. other gate where they were videotaping practices? Um, they're trying to get as much data as possible. So, yeah, they're, they're going to cut corners, but they're, they're trying to get January as much. January 18, 2015 was deflate gate. Yeah. So they're just, they're just trying to cut corners. They're getting as much data as they can possible to, to get the edge to win. I guess since we're already here talking about conscientiousness, this kind of domain is almost taking over sports right now. If you're talking about analytics, I think it started with Moneyball, the movie with Brad Pitt. That's right. Jonah Hill, uh, Billy Bean, based off the general manager of the Oakland Athletics uh, back in 2003. I think the book was written about him where he introduced sabermetrics into baseball. This is the Oakland team. It's not a big market. And all of a sudden, they started winning a lot of games and going to the playoffs with one of the lowest payrolls in the MLB. And the reason was they started utilizing analytics or sabermetrics to find baseball players, players for their team that would work well together based off statistics. So guys that hit really well against right-handed pitchers, they maybe started playing shifts better, but they used analytics to, to put a team together. And then now, if anyone's watching baseball, you're seeing that analytics are essentially taking over the game. I once saw all infielders shift to the right side of, of second base. Everyone's shifting nowadays. Oh, yeah. They're looking at the percentage. This guy, he's up to bat. He hits 80% of his balls to the right side of the field. So guess what? You move more of your players to the right side of the field. Um, You're seeing this all the time. Let's talk about how the small ball is pretty much obsolete. No one's stealing bases. No one's sacrifice bunting people across. People are just going for the long ball. And the reason is because they found these, these scientists or these analyzers. They look through the data in hitting the long ball, guess what? It's 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 a better play. So prior to the 2018 season, the most home runs by a team in a single season was 264, and that was held by the Seattle Mariners 997. Mm-hmm. I think that's the team that won a shitload of games. Yes, um, I do remember <laughs> with that. Ichiro, obviously. But that record was broken in 2018. Yankees hit 267. This year... There was four teams that broke that mark. The Twins, 307, Yankees, 306, Astros, 288, and Dodgers, 279. Wow. So long ball is the new age of baseball. They also started juicing the balls. Yeah, what's up with that? (laughs) (laughs) What's the deal with that? We talked about this before, dude. We love uh, Mark first McGuire. First steroids, now juice. Yeah, they're just as well. Well, they the players are juice, but now the balls are juice. There so you go. We're um, trying to get the fans back involved. And um, analytics has also touched, reached out, and touched the NBA. Oh yeah, right. Um, and anybody who's as an NBA fan knows the evolution of the three point shot. I mean, right. I mean, if you watch basketball back in the eighties and nineties, and you watch basketball today. There's no question, right, that people are shooting more three-point shots. Did you know in 2012, teams averaged about 18 three-point shots per game? 
In 2017, that number was 27, and it's only risen since then. Yeah, and so I mean, it's definitely more of an up-tempo game now. Um, you know, back in the day, like in the 80s, it was the Showtime Lakers, right? The reason why it's, you know they uh, were so prominent, so entertaining, was because they were a super up-tempo team in an era of, you know, pretty slow and methodical half-court like Larry style Bird's play. Yeah, Celtics you know, physical, and the Pistons. physical basketball. So they stood out, but nowadays, you know, it, it's all Showtime. So it started with very, my bo- my team, the very Suns. Ri- very seven seconds or less. That's my team. That I love that Suns team. <laughs> Amari Stoudemire, seven Steve seconds Nash. or they less. They have all those three point shooters. That's right. Mike D'Antonio, he, he's a revol- he may never win a championship, but he kind of helped revolutionize the game. That's um, right. Ninety eight point six. Yeah. Ninety eight point six was the average pace in terms of possessions per game we're number one in the league by far but now you got the whole entire league is averaging ahead of that mm-hmm. i'm sure you guys love to hear about the pace per per game but it's sped up and no and, it's it's yeah it just it, it's interesting it just shows the evolution of the sport oh, and, and talk about three-point shot stuff curry took it to a next level mm-hmm. and now you have seven footers out there shooting threes yep. it's a better shot no one's in the, the the death of the mid-range. No one's shooting mid-range jumpers anymore. Three-point no. shot's a better shot. And then no. they got these player efficiency ratings. Yeah, the player out efficiency now. rating. I mean, this is a you know a a more sophisticated way of of assessing how uh, a player is actually con- contributing. I mean, I remember we talked about what the baseball, basketball, football cards back in the day. The stats were always just you know these very. I guess one-dimensional uh, you got batting elements average, of home runs. the game, right? Yeah, like just your production essentially. They got right? war now in baseball, wins above replacement. That's mm-hmm. huge. They use that a lot. And, and the issue with production is like, yeah, I mean, you could score a lot of points and get a lot of rebounds and get a lot of assists, whatever. Like that's great, uh, or you could score a lot of touchdowns in football, hit a lot of home runs. But are those translating into wins? You know that. That's different. I mean, you know, I think the jury's still out on whether or not all this this move to analytics is paying off or not. Yeah, it probably is. But I, I will tell you that the the guys at the top in the NBA, at least of the PER list, the player efficiency rating, they really do tend to be oh, the best players. Giannis is number one right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. All the the, the data is there to just try to objectify the best players mm-hmm. and put them into a number. I mean, all these leagues are starting to pay individuals, bring people in, um, consulting firms, other people that have these giant databases filled with data. And it's, it, it, we're moving in that direction. Even the NFL nowadays, uh, you've probably seen people going for it on fourth down a lot more and do, going for two point conversions. That's because it's the better statistical play. Well, another thing that we saw is people are uh, going for bigger plays on first down. Instead of waiting till third down, that's gone up every year um, over the past like five years. Mm-hmm. So we're yeah. seeing we're seeing changes in all our sports. Absolutely, man. And you know, what this all kind of kind of comes down to and and, and amounts to is that uh, human behavior is very complex, um, but it is also predictable. Mm-hmm. And because it's predictable, we can make objective measures uh, and assessments that that can help us perform better. And in any organization, that means 
improved communication, less misunderstanding, uh, less conflict, more cooperation, likely better financial performance and productivity, and ultimately better team chemistry. Oh, yeah, and that's all important. And humans can be predictable. You can kind of boil everything down with statistics and assume the outcomes based off the statistics, but there's that human element, and that's why Arm and I are right here having this podcast. We're talking about that human element. That's right. There's uh, distraction stressors who are going to, you're going to throw the statistics out the window if you're if you're having a, a off day and you're letting your emotions get the best of you. But the other point I want to make, who do you, what type of individual do you think created this DISC assessment? This is a conscientious person, right? He's trying to... You best believe. Put more, this is just bringing more analytics to the table. But analytics aren't the end-all be-all, but they're going to help you have more self-awareness, which is going to help you with everything that Armin just listed. Um, having this whole podcast series is almost about having better self-awareness. Yeah. Um, and, and take this test. Take it. Take it. Take it. But uh, <laughs> we t- and, 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 and like our fucking social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Yeah. You know what's interesting is uh, you can't dislike anymore. Like in Instagram, you either like or you or you, you never, don't. You never could dislike. No, but I feel... No, They're going to get rid of that like function. Years ago, right? Years ago, before social media as we know it, there was a website called Am I Hot or Not? <laughs> okay? AmIHotOrNot.com. And this was actually a thing when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And so like people would vote, thumbs up, thumbs down, right? <laughs> It was no, you you couldn't opt out, (laughs) okay? So, um, I don't know. Maybe we need to get back to that. Well, well, they're going the opposite way. Instagram's actually piloting, getting rid of the the like function. I think they're piloting it in Canada. It's actually going the opposite direction. Yeah, I'm all for it. No one can comment. You don't need that external validation. you got to build yourself (laughs) up from within. Listen to our podcast and build yourself up from from within. But Resilience. at, At the end of the day, when you're building a team... All about resilience. When you're building a team... You can't you can't fill up the team with all dominant guys. They're going to butt heads. If everyone wants to take control, but they also fear losing control, that's not good. You can't have too many alphas, yeah. right? But then again, you don't want too many influences either because everyone's going to be too concerned about their relationships and, and talking all day, and no one's going to want to make that difficult decision because they fear social rejection, so you might not get anywhere. But you're going to have a good time probably. And then you don't want too many people that are in the in the analytics and conscientious because they're not going to want to work with each other. They're just going to be too concerned about their own focus and their own job, and and you're not going to have any cohesion or teamwork. And then if everyone's steady, I mean, slow and steady may win the race, but you got to have someone to point you in the right direction, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to have a good balance. And like you said, or like we said before, if you take this test, you'll figure out what you are and what. Maybe you want to improve on. Maybe you'll figure out your weaknesses. Know thyself. Yeah, and then you'll know others. Know thyself. Know, know to adapt. And I, then, yes, and, and that will help you unlock the mystery to understanding the world around exactly. you. Exactly. I know that I'm going to ask Armin where he wants to go to get grab a bite to eat because I want to give him that control. Otherwise, he's going to get upset and hangry. <laughs> <laughs> hangry. Hamburger helper. 
Um, did, you, did you eat hamburger helper as a kid? I was. We were poor. Of course, I did. <laughs> I ate that um, a lot in college. Although, Tuna helper. Although underrated. I I refused spam. Okay. Okay. I refused spam. You had your All right. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I lived um, on. I had a lot of tuna helper and ramen was a classic. That was a lot. In that college. was a college classic, right yeah. there for sure. Ramen noodles, salmon patties, salmon patties. Oh, canned salmon. Oh, no, you ever do that? Salmon patties. Yeah, we uh, like you, ground. You get can, no, you get canned salmon. Oh, the my pink God. salmon. Or the I red, know what you're talking the about. The red though. salmon, and then you mix it with uh, saltine crackers, make a nice patty. Yeah. Or what about sardines? Just throw some sardines on there. I'm right? not a sardines guy, but that, that was mm. my uh, Filipino roommate's recipe. It was delicious. My, our other roommates hated us because the whole entire apartment oh smelled my God, it's horrible. like fish, and it was disgusting, but it was delicious. So you want to go get some salmon patties later? Fish sandwiches? <laughs> I'll pass. You like fish sticks? <laughs> No, but I do love chicken nuggets. Oh my god! All right, dude. All right, all right. We got to go get some food. Yeah, um, yeah. This is uh, we we've had fun. This has been good. This has been good. More of the story. Chemistry, team chemistry, right, is uh, extremely important when you're trying to build a champion. All right, it's critical uh, to success. And so why not have a formula that enables you to uh, figure out those dynamics, put the right pieces together, right, in order to put guys in position for success, right, in order to put guys in the best position for success. Well said, Armin. And even if you're just a fan of, of sports, having more information, I think, makes the game more interesting. That's right. Yeah, it's like you can like laugh at, at, a, at a at a franchise. You can kind of know the reason maybe why a franchise isn't doing so good if you look at their team and it's just a bunch of really impulsive, emotional guys, and they're they're aimless and they have no dominant leader, or they have no so no one to steady the ship. That's so, right. take that test. Visit our social media. Um, I think uh, hamburger helper cheesy hash browns is my favorite. Mm. But yeah, man, let's uh, let's end the stigma. Let's continue the conversation. All right. Cheesy.